many have ever seen cartoons and Brad Paisley in Sunday morning service? I mean, not very many. But I said, I wanted to put that Brad Paisley song and uh, put a cartoon up and just wreck your idea about church is supposed to be dull and dry. How many know where the Spirit of the Lord, there's freedom? Amen. And so we are who we are, and we want to do the blessing of the hunters today. And I got to tell you, after seeing that cow being pulled, cowboy went deer hunting, and his blonde wife, no offense, as she was going with him, they had never did anything together. So off they went. He put her in a stand by herself, and later that morning, he heard her shoot. He went over to her stand and saw her point, her rifle at a guy with a cowboy hat on. The guy was telling her, ma'am, yes, you can have the deer you shot, but please just let me take my saddle off. <laughs> maybe, maybe you heard about a couple that, this dude, he, I mean, brave guy here, man, he took his wife and his mother-in-law hunting. And they were spending the night, he got up the next morning, couldn't find his mother-in-law, she started, and the, his wife started crying, they said, well, we gotta go out and look for her, so they went and they found her up against a tree, and a bear was after her, and she was going, what you gonna do about the bear? He says, he got himself in that position, he'll have to get himself out. <laughs> Here's one. You gotta have a clean mind for this one. A man kills a deer and takes it home to cook for dinner. Both he and his wife decide they don't want to tell the kid what type of meat it is. But they'll give him a clue and let him guess. The kids were eager to know what meat was on their plate, so they begged their dad for a clue. He said, well, it's what mama calls me sometimes. The little girl started crying. Oh, please don't eat it, don't eat it, don't eat it. <laughs> you know, he probably called her a dog. He called him a dog or something, you know. I'm going to say a blessing over the hunters, but this is one hunter's prayer, and it's called an, to be the honest hunter. May I so love the truth that I always give an honest reaccounting of my hunting stories and keeping them interesting to my friends. May I also listen to my friends' stories and enjoy them without envy. And may I also kill within the limit. So I thought that was kind of cool. I just want to pray a blessing over you out of Psalms 91 in the message translation. Father, we come before you and we thank you for your word and we pray that you are our refuge. We trust in you and we are safe. You rescue us from hidden traps and you shield us from deadly hazards. Your huge outstretched arms protect us and under them we are perfectly safe. Your arm feeds off all harm. We fear nothing, not wild wolves in the night nor flying arrows in the day nor disease that prowls through the darkness, nor disaster that erupts at noonday. If we stumble, you'll catch us, and your job is to keep us from falling. We'll walk unharmed among lions and snakes and kick lions and serpents from the path. If you hold on to me for dear life, says God, I'll get you out of any trouble. I'll give you the best care. And if you only get to know, you can trust me. How many receive that in Jesus' name? Amen. So we just pray protection and blessings over you in the name of Jesus and pray you have a good time. Now, as we were thinking about camouflage, how many have ever looked up the word in the dictionary? Anybody thought about doing that? I love dictionaries, and so I looked up the word, and camouflage will preach. So if anybody says, I don't believe wearing camouflage to church, you tell them, it'll preach. And so I want you to see here. Here's the definition right out of the, the dictionary. The disguising or painting or covering them to make them blend in with their surroundings. Right there, that reminds me of the angel of light. 
things that the enemy puts out to try to just blend in the surroundings. Then it goes on to say, actions or devices intended to disguise or mislead. Misleading, that reminds me of the occult. Hide or disguise the presence of a person, an animal, or object by means of camouflage. Now look at this next one. To conceal the existence of something undesirable. To conceal the existence of something undesirable. And this example is right out of the dictionary. Grievances should be discussed, not camouflaged. He who covers his sins will not be forgiven. So many times we talk about living in a mask. We talk about camouflaging our real nature with who we are. And so right there, that'll preach. But I want you to see, concealing the existence of something undesirable. And the original word comes from the French. It means to camouflage, to disguise, or it means thieves. And so as you study this and you think about this word here, it, it starts making you think of not only being the hunter, but it makes you think about being the hunted. And on this camouflage day, I want to twist it. And we're going to get into some things that I want you to think about the difference between you being the hunter and being hunted. I want you to think about if you were hunting deer and deer could shoot back, that would change things. If you were hunting squirrels and, and squirrels had some Uzis, you know, and they could shoot back, I mean, that would change everything. Well, I want you to think about an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And that just like I've got some traps up here, I've got about three traps. I want to make sure nobody opened any while I was gone because that would hurt. But think about these traps that they just don't put them out in the open. They usually put traps out and then camouflage it with leaves and pine straw and stuff like that. And the animal comes around and gets caught. And I want you to see, I found three pages in the concordance full of scriptures from Genesis to Revelation about snares. And I want you to see here, starting with 2 Timothy 2.26, that they may come to their senses. And if you have kids or loved ones that you're praying for, this is something to pray for. Lord, that they may come to their senses and escape. Somebody shout out escape. escape. You'll see this word over three times. Escape from the snare of the devil, having been taken by him to do his will. How many of you know we've not been born again to be take, uh, taken captive again or to do the will of the enemy? It says in 1 Timothy 3.7, Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall to the reproach and the snare of the devil. And that word reproach means failure or disappointment. Exodus 34, 12 says, Take heed to yourselves, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you're going, lest it be a snare in your midst. And the enemy is real good about camouflaging when you read the Bible. Jacob put on the skins of an animal, camouflaged himself to go into Isaac and to rob a covenant that was meant for Esau. You hear about the Amorites that camouflaged themselves and went to Joshua and made a secret covenant with him that, they, that he would do them no harm and ended up being number, one of the number one enemies to fight and, 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 and discourage and destroy Israel because they had deceived. And we see that Saul disguised himself to go before the witch to try to consult the, the prophet Samuel. And so you see through the word of God different areas where people misled, they camouflaged, they, they laid snares. And the Bible goes on to say about Gideon who, as you know, went from 30,000 to 300 to conquer the enemy but at the end after his victory even though he started off one of the most humblest men in the bible he fell into the snare of pride then in first samuel 18 21 here's saul who says i can't get david out in the open to kill him god's protecting him 
But I'll lay a snare and I'll use my daughter. I'll use my daughter to marry him and she'll become the trap of his life and the Philistines will be able to destroy him when I can't. A snap and a stare. Job 22.10 Therefore snares are all around you and sudden fear troubles you. The enemy wants to bait the traps with things that would try to pull us out of the blessing, the covering of God to destroy us. He wants us to get the mind, the Lord wants us to get the mindset today of the danger of being hunted by the line that runs around as a roaring line to kill and steal and destroy. But let me give you the definition of the word snares. The word snare in the Hebrew means a seductive potential to violate life. It may not, the trap may not kill you, but it's got the possibility of setting you up for death. It may not kill you, but it can deceive you and it can pull on your senses and your emotions to try to pull you out from the will of God to lay you in the trap. It's the seductive potential to violate life, to bring into bondage, to lower the level of life. And there's some things we want to see here today that I believe that the enemy has camouflaged these traps to try to bring us out, to, to destroy and bring down our level of life. It even says in John 10.10 10, that the thief, the camouflage, comes not but to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. One of the things that brought my attention to this message, we were, we were at some people's house last weekend just fellowshipping and they invited us over and they were watching that program Mountain Men. And as, they were watch, as we were watching Mountain Men, this old-timer was going, checking out his traps. And he came across a trap that had an animal that had been dead too long. And he just picked up the trap, opened it up, pulled the animal out, and just threw it. It wasn't any good. It wasn't of any use. And by seeing that, I could see so easily how we fall into the traps of the enemy. Not that the devil really wants you for him. He just wants to destroy your life. He just wants to lower your level of living, lower your level of happiness, and lower your level of joy. And he's just not going to go to heaven and pull your name out of the Lamb's book of life. He's not going to just come in church and steal you. But he's going to lay all these traps out and camouflage them because he knows where you walk. He can tell the little signs that you've been nibbling here and nibbling there. Uh oh He can see the branches moving up and down where you've been jumping from one branch to another. He's looking for these signs, so he starts setting up these traps specifically to catch you, just to see you die, and just to see you destroyed. But I know that God has come to give life and life abundantly, and I'm not going to live a life that allows him to kill and steal and destroy when it comes to me and you becoming a child of the Most High God. Can I hear an amen? amen. And so I want to encourage you today, because one of the worst things, and I want you to listen to me, one of the worst things in the world is to get so comfortable that we stop putting the armor of God upon us. One thing I saw about David, when David went to King Saul, King Saul was determined to give David his armor. Do you know why? Because it didn't mean anything to Saul anymore. That's the danger of getting so comfortable uh, uh, that we, we're not praying, we're not fasting, we're not reading the word of God. Saul went up to David and said, here, take my armor to fight Goliath because I don't need it anymore. It's not of any use to me anymore. And the moment we get to the point to where we have taken the armor off, Saul got filled with demons. I don't need this anymore. I, I don't need this preaching anymore. I don't need to go to church. I'll just go to church once in a while. I'll just, I'll do this when I feel like it. I'll, I'll, I'll obey God when I need him. 
And what you've done is you've taken your armor off, and when the giant shows up, you don't want to face him because you've gotten so used to living without the armor of God, now you're looking for somebody that you know who wears the armor of God. We're not called to depend upon other people. We're called, each and every one of us, to be soldiers in the army of God. And the enemy sets up these things to try to bring us down and, and to many times live with high expectations and, and, and low reality. And I know like for our last year, a lot of hunters went hunting and I would ask them, did you get anything? They said no. And it made me think about, I heard about this one pastor. He gave the blessing over the hunters and prayed for their protection. And when they came back, he said, okay, how many of you guys bagged a deer? And nobody raised their hand. And somebody said, pastor, it's because you prayed for the protection for the wrong thing. You, pr you protected the deer and you didn't pray to protect us. So we didn't get a deer. But we have these high expectations like, I want this and I want that. And we're expecting something great and something changes. And it's just like, how many have been caught in the rain here lately without your umbrella? How many know when it rains, it pours? And you're just excited about something. You're just expecting, you're excited about something, but you get something else. It's kind of like my mom had this habit of putting the old grease in the apple jar juice. And I remember one night going in there and grabbing that, taking the lid off and taking a big swig. And I was expecting apple juice, but I got grease. Or, you know, you just expected something's going to be different. And, and you know, you just, they, things are going to happen that uh, make you happy. It's like my grandpa, he, he used to like to chew red man chewing tobacco, but he'd get in the, in the big sticks and he'd get his knife and cut off a piece. His spittoon was on the side of a, a couch and he'd cut off a piece of tobacco and put it in his mouth. And he was our hero. My grandpa was born in 1890 and was in the U.S. Calvary and had a lot of stories. And uh, so anyway, he would be chewing that tobacco. And, Papa, we want some. We want some. And so about... I guess I was five or six. He decided to cut me off a piece. And I chewed that. And he didn't tell me I couldn't swallow it. And I chewed that and got sick. And they had a ref green refrigerator. Y'all remember the 70s. A green refrigerator next to the cabinet. And there was a gap in between. And I crawled back there and threw it behind the refrigerator. And I remember years later that I bet they had another refrigerator. I bet when they pulled that old one out and they saw that old chewing tobacco, throw that, they, they must have known it must have been me. But anyway, you have this high expectation that God's going to do something, that something's going to happen in your life, and it just, bam, it just reverses. In 1 Peter 1, I want you to see, of course, the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. But I want you to see here that he talks about the snare of the enemy. He says, my soul has escaped. Thank God there's an opportunity to escape from the snare of the flower. The snare is broken. Somebody shout out, the snare is broken. The snare is broken and we have escaped. And Proverbs talks, and it says twice there, the law of the wise is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. And both Proverbs 13 and 14 pretty much says the same thing. The law of the wise are the instructions of God to listen and to recognize them, to take as one's own and not to receive correct and, and to receive correction and not run away from it. The fountain of life speaks about the unlimited source of the spirit and the soul. That as long as I'm walking in obedience and I'm wanting to follow God with all of my heart, soul, and mind, it opens the door for a reservoir of joy and peace to come into my heart that nothing else can give. Therefore, if God is fulfilling me, I don't need to turn to other things that could be a trap of the enemy to take me in. As long as I'm obeying God and walking with this in my life. It says in 1 Peter 1, 5 and 6, who are kept by the power of God. Somebody shout out, the power of God. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. If you in this greatly rejoice that now for a little while, or the King James uses the word season. Say season. For a little while, if need be, 
you will be grieved by various trials. And I looked up that word grieved and it's the Latin word for grave. Now I want you to see this in a different thing here. It's not talking about just a little bitty thing that you're going through. It's talking about something that you feel that is killing you. It's something that is so hard, so difficult, you feel like it is killing you and destroying you and you see no future at stake at all. Like Psalms 23, you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. That's the place of being grieved. It means a place of sorrow, pain, brokenheartedness, woundness. These are why the enemy wants to set up with various trials, but God wants to deliver us and keep us. That word keep means to be reserved for future use. How many of you know you still have your potential? No matter what the enemy's telling you, you still have the potential and you still have a future ahead of you. Can I hear an amen? That word kept means to retain one's place against opposition or difficulty. It means to continue a specified condition and position and course. It means to be looked after, guarded, protected, and supported. All of this is what the Lord promised to do when we're going through these time and seasons. And when I saw in the word it says a little while or a season, I started thinking about hunting seasons or a season. Hunting season has a beginning and it has an end. I know in Louisiana we claim there is no end, but there is a legal end. Well, I want you to know that according to the word of God, the enemy, he may attack you for a season, but there's an end to what he can do to you. The enemy is limited to what he can do in your life. He is limited in how he can touch you. He is limited in what he can do. Praise the name of Jesus. And so everything, everything you're going through is on a set time. The enemy is just not going to have his way against you for the rest of your life. Even though you've been going through a season for quite a while, the word says it's limited and you're kept safe by the saving power of God. Glory be to Jesus. Amen. So we go through life and we see God's doing a work in us and we trust he's doing a work in us. And it says here in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his what? Workmanship. We're God's workmanship, not the enemy's. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk therein. Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that He, somebody shout out, Jesus! Jesus, who has begun a good work in you, will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. And Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord... You are our father, we are the clay, you are the potter, and we are the works of your hands. How many believe you're the works of the hands of God and not the works of the enemy? Amen. Give him praise. Now, 2 Peter 1, 3, it says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Not bad news. Can I hear an amen? Not bad news, but exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, there's our word, having escaped the corruption or the traps or the snares that are in this world through lust. When you're going through these difficult, hard times, if you are going through your season right now, it's like, how am I going to get out of this? How are we going to go through this? You've got to understand that it's important how you meditate while you're going through what seems to be your fate. You need to learn how to meditate, and I'll give you an example here. This precious scripture, Romans eight twenty eight. For we know that all things... 
I've got to meditate on this. We know that all things work to good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. I've got to meditate on these things. I've got to understand that what I'm going through is only for a season. All things work to my good. I'm the workmanship of his hands. He wouldn't be allowing anything in my life that he knew that wouldn't help me become a better person or more prepared. I've got to trust him that he is in control and there's only a season to this and I'm going to come out stronger and better than ever before. Can I hear an amen? How many know Jesus went through pain? And he went through suffering, and he didn't deserve it. And I want you to see here, and there's something I want you to see in Matthew 27, 33, and 34. And when they had come to the place of Golgotha, that is to say the place of the skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink, and when he had tasted it, he would not drink. One translation says, he spat it out. Now when you look up the word sour wine mingled with gall or myrrh, it was used to dull the pain and to stop the swelling. In China, myrrh is still used. And one of the traps that I want to talk about just in the last few minutes that I have today is the trap that instead of meditating, we're medicating to try to get over the pain in our life. Jesus was suffering in a time in his life like he had never suffered before. He had done nothing to cause this upon himself. He didn't, he wasn't in disobedience. He wasn't doing anything that should have brought this on. He was paying the price for you and I. But listen to this. He loved us so much. He was willing to put up with the pain instead of medicate so that he could go through for us. I want to ask you, what are you medicating that you should be meditating upon for someone else in your life? It's so easy. Right in 2010... There was 20 million addicted to drugs. This year, 20, uh, last year, 2011, is 22.5 million that are addicted to pain pills and, and other things. And we don't want pain. We don't want to go through suffering. That's why we are where we are right now, where we just want the government to fix it. Or just give me a pain pill. Just give me some medication so I can, I can, I can get through this. And some people accept it as a future for their life. Now, I'm not talking about medicine. I mean, if you are a heart patient, if you're a diabetic, if you're on a heart medicine, if you're on pregnancy control, stay on your medicine. I am not saying to take it off your medicine and crash. I mean, thank God for medicine. I tell you, when uh, I've had different things happen when my wife was having our babies, I praise God for epidurals. I thank God when they came with that long needle and stuck it in her back and she, well, it went from a screaming Indian to a sweet saint. <laughs> I'm so thankful for pain medicine when we've gone through different things. But there's a possibility of many times we get addicted to it. And we get to, addicted to things because if I feel, I'm going to hurt. I don't want to hurt anymore. I just want something to get rid of the pain. I want something to help me to forget. I want to medicate the pain. I want to be numbed. One of the things about medication, it numbs. And this is the definition for numbing. To deprive one the power of sensation. It means to be unable to think, to feel, or to respond normally. To deprive of feeling or responsiveness. It means to lose the sensation of, intense, of being able to feel. And it means to deaden the senses. 
Now, I know last year I, I broke my foot, and uh, I, I couldn't go to the doctor right away, so somebody gave me some pain pills, and the bottle said to take three. Of course, it meant three during the day, but I took three all at one time. And y'all might not have been here that service, but I thank God for people who love me regardless. But I came through here, and they had me down there, and I sat on a stool, and I had two guys on each side of me, and they were waiting because while I'm preaching, I start leaning. And my words were Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I tell you, I was not myself, and it was not the Holy Ghost. It was the three pain pills. And it's funny, but thank God for the medical advised season that I was on that. But it would have been ashamed that after a year, I'm still on it. That I get addicted to it. I just want something to numb. I don't want to feel it. I don't want to go through it. I want some anesthesia. I want, that word anesthesia means I want all the feeling to be blocked. I, don't want, to, I, don't, I want all the, uh, the symptoms to be temporary taken away. I, I want to have the, not just a season of medication. I want to, I'm dependent on it. I'm codependent on it. And the enemy will put medication, even though the doctor described, oh, yeah, you need the little green pill. You need the little blue pill. You need this for your nerves. And, and he covers it up. And, and, and just because the doctor says it's okay and you get on it, a pill will never fix your soul. A pill will never fix your soul. And I know you've been through a hard time, and I know you're suffering many things, but you heard them last week. We had 50 people here giving their testimonies that because of the abuse, they turned to drugs. And the drugs never fixed them. Drugs will never get rid of the pain or the memory. Only Holy Ghost can do that. Only Holy Ghost can do that. And these pills cause our brains to dysfunction. I don't know about you, but my family does not have the DNA for alcohol. And if you ever go into a wedding or a family get-together, and you see some of your family start drinking, and they just, I mean, I mean, just start drinking and drinking and drinking, and all of a sudden, you know, you got that cousin who's crazy and, 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 and the runt and, and, and the, the, the ugly one. And he gets about four, five, six beers in him, and all of a sudden, he becomes Thupaman. I'm Thupaman. And all of a sudden, you know, he, he starts going up to the ladies and go, uh, hey there. And I mean, to him, he's Elvis. And he forgot he looks like the little guy from Lord of the Rings, you know. Uh, but anyway, he starts getting these. And all of a sudden, he's Mr. Cool Guy. Or you ask cowboys, man, how did you ride them bulls? I was drunk. Or how did you do those stunts in those cars? I was drunk. And, you know, we talk and you, I talk to people who've gone through those type of things. But the sad part about it is, is that a lot of people are caught up in the habit and the trap that they feel like they cannot exist without that pill or that substance to get them through. Jesus has offered the substance to get him through. And he spat it out for me and you. He wanted to go through it. So that we can know he went through it for me. I'll go through it for him. And God, there is time for medication. There is time for different things. You're going through the death of a loved one. I know 
preachers who are doctors who give medicine to help calm the nerves and help that person going through that terrible time. I understand those type of things. But you have not been born again to live a lifetime addicted or dependent upon substances that will never fix your problem. Now, I'm not telling you, do not quit your medicine. No, I'm not. Do not quit it. Thank God for medicine. Don't quit your medicine. Let the doctor tell you it's time. Don't you self-medicate. Don't you under-medicate. Don't, don't you take it on yourself. You need to get, you've gone to a doctor and you get his professional advice. But I am saying to get your faith to a place to where you're not going to be on Valium and Sandex for the rest of your life. That you're going to experience a peace that passes all understanding. And God is going to fix you in a special way. Can I hear an amen? He wants you to gain. He wants you to be free. You see the commercials today. You take these pills and what do they say? The side effects may be, yeah, it may take the pain of arthritis away, but you may have suicidal thoughts. It may cause you to die of a heart attack or a stroke. And so we see all these things that comes through the snare of addiction. And, and, and I want to share something with you. I believe that they put children on retlin so fast and immediately at four or five years old they go, your child's ADHD or bipolar, ADD. And listen, I know that some are, but not everyone is. And I want to share something with you right now. I want to tell you this. The reason we got to put them on retlin is because they, don't, they, let it, they make us spare the rod so we spoil the child. And so the spoiled child has to be on medicine. It's a trap. The Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. But let me tell you something about bipolar. We all got a little bit of bipolar in us. I got a little bit of ADHD and whatever else D. But I tell you who else did. If you read the Psalms, David, I tell you what, David was bipolar. You read the Psalms, he goes, my heart shall magnify the Lord God Almighty. And may my enemies have their eyes pulled out of their sockets and their brains given to the skulls. And may their children die the most worst destiny. And may their generations never last. And may the buzzard seed out of their heart. And I mean, if you read David, then he'll go, but I will magnify the Lord my God. I mean, you read Psalms, he could change like this. The Lord is wonderful and he's been good to me. Destroy them and let the ants eat their bodies. I mean, the dude was out there. But listen, if David would live today, they'd be giving him pills to calm him down. And the Psalms would have never been written. Written. I'm not on nothing, it's just my language. There are so many things. Thank you. Another dope head right there. <laughs> I'm beating the back. But the trap of the enemy is, it's okay because the doctor said to take it. It's okay because everybody takes it. It's okay because you go in the ladies' bathroom, they open their purses and bottles just pop up all over the place. I mean. So we've grown accustomed to it. And we just walk around with our traps. And we sing, I'm free. But it's camouflaged. You take these pills. It turns into someone else. You can't reason. You can't think. You can't operate. You're dangerous to you. Maybe your family. It's affecting your work. And we just cover it. And when we see like Teen Challenge come and 
and, and we get, we start thinking and hearing their testimonies and we start thinking about how many of us don't want to face the pain in our lives and confess the sins that we need to confess and I just want something to continue to numb me to that. God can erase the images of those who have victimized you. I know people personally that they cannot even remember the person or the thing that happened to them. Because the Holy Spirit has the power to heal and deliver. And it's in the storm that he shows himself the most. And I love this scripture here. You will keep him in perfect peace. Xanax, Ambien, all that stuff. Legalized marijuana, all that stuff. It cannot give you the perfect peace. Only God, the Father, and only God, the Holy Spirit, and only God, Jesus Christ, can give you the perfect peace. Because you're not medicating. You're meditating. You're meditating upon the precious and promises and the power of God that is able to deliver your life, spirit, soul, mind, and body. As long as you're expecting a, a drug or, 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 or abuse of alcohol or anything else, you're, you're trying to, you know, drink till you forget her or forget him, or you're trying to use it as an escape, it's a bondage. You take anesthesia. A little bit will cause you to sleep. A little bit more of the same thing can put you in induced coma. And just a little bit more of the same thing can kill you. It's all the same thing. It's just different doses. And that's the trap of addiction. Is that it always leads to more and more of the same thing that can destroy you. But the way of God is peace that passes understanding. I want to invite you to stand. I'm sorry I had to rush through this. I didn't realize time had flown so fast. We're going to be taking communion, but first, I want to ask every head bowed and every eye closed. If you didn't get a communion cup, please raise your hand and they'll be going around passing it. I just want you to open your hearts to God as we have read these scriptures and just shared just a few moments with you. He came to... Set free the captive. He has come today to open your trap that you fell in, maybe accidentally, maybe on purpose, but he still came no matter what's the reason. He's here to set you free. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. It's not important to us who you are. It's important to the Father who you are. And I want you to know right now, he loves you. He loves you. He cares for you. And I know you want to be free. He wants to free you from the pain, the addiction, the pull and the push that just pushed you to where you're using things abusively. There's times you just take too much. There's some things you shouldn't even be taking at all. I want you to just bow your head, close your eyes. And I'm going to pray to the God Almighty with His exceedingly great and precious promises who is able to deliver you right now. I had a young man who came to me telling me about the big bottles of pain pills he was addicted to. And it led to other addictions. And one day he was in a field and 
He just got on his knees and he says, God, please take this addiction away from me. And a breeze just blew through him and he felt it was cold, then it became warm. And when he got off of his knees in that field, all the desire for drugs and other things had left him. And he's never desired it since. He was given his testimony. He's even been in the ministry serving God as preparing to be a full-time minister. God is able to do the same thing to you. If you need counseling, if you need help, there's help available. But I want you also to know that God is available. He's the Lord, your fortress. So I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, from every section of this auditorium, you know the lives that for their own reason and for maybe they're not their reason, their own fault, they're suffering, pain. They want to live a life numb of what has hurt them and people and things that have done them wrong in their past. Father, you know their hearts. You know their lives. You know those who are here right now that deep down they know they've become totally dependent upon certain things that they know is not healthy for them. It's not healthy for relationships. It's not as an example that they need to have. So I ask you, most holy Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit that raises the dead, I ask you to remove the stones from their tombs. I ask you to send your Holy Spirit on the inside of them and quicken and make alive a faith and a trust in you. I ask you that your holy anointing will fall upon them and arise within them. That will give them a confidence, a trust, and a boldness to rise up against the addiction. And to better say no to the enemy, no to the trap, no to the snare, no to the addiction. And yes to the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you will smother them and that you will just baptize them in the power that is able to, that peace that is able to pass all understanding. To keep their hearts and minds in you. I thank you Lord, you're breaking food addictions. And other things that, Lord, we may not consider bad, but yet they're harmful and wrong. They're what we run to when we feel the pain instead of running to you. It's who we run to. It's what we say and what we do when we're told to run to you. You're the only one who can change it. So right now, in the authoritative name of Jesus Christ, I bind the spirit of addiction of any type. I bind the dependency, codependency upon any other type of substance that would make their lives a lower level than what you created in the image of Jesus Christ. I pray that as Christ was able, not, was able to be strong and not receive what would numb him in his difficult time and most hurtful time of pain, I ask you to give us that same grace and strength to spit out and to say no to that which would harm and kill and destroy. I pray the spirit of deliverance upon this body now. And I pray that may we leave this place free. Not desiring for something to take the pain away, but desiring for the peace to come. And we receive that in Jesus' name. And with that, I want you to take the wafer as we get ready to take communion. And I want you to hold that wafer that represented his body and represented yours. I want you just to hold it tenderly. I want you just to hold it tight. I just want you to, to see it as that addiction that's been holding you down. He was broken for what has broken you. He was broken and he was made pain for what has been your pain and your agony. His body was so unrecognizable upon that cross that the soldiers even felt mercy for him. But he didn't take it. 
because he wanted to experience the pain and pay the full price for you and I. As he was broken for me, I desire to be broken for him. And that night as he gave bread to his disciples, he broke it. And I want you to take that wafer. I want you to break it right now. He broke it. Mm. He broke it for all my brokenness. All my ailments. Everything that's holding me down. He was broken so that I can go free. And Lord, we praise you for the body of Christ. That was whipped and totally destroyed, unrecognizable, so that we could become the temples of the Holy Spirit and have you abide with us permanently. We give you all the praise and glory. And in remembrance of Christ and his body, we partake of this bread now in Jesus' name. All morning we've been singing about the precious blood of Jesus. It's what heals, it's what delivers, it's what saves. And that night he took the cup and he said, this, this blood represents my new covenant, my new testament with you. I give it all. I lay it all down for your salvation, for your freedom. It's the blood that cleanses us and frees us from all sin and addictions. There's power in the blood. I plead his blood over you right now in Jesus' name. I plead the power of that blood that is able to free you from anything that has tied and bound you. He gave his cup to his disciples and he said, this is my blood which is made for your forgiveness. Drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink in remembrance of the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Just your head bowed, your eyes closed. I want to give you one more invitation. Then an invitation about eternal life, your life, your eternal life. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity right now to raise your hand real high and say, I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I need forgiveness of my sins. God bless you, dear. Holy Ghost has been working on you all service. Anyone else today, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anyone else, anyone else, you want to surrender your life today to Jesus Christ? I want to be saved. I want to be made worthy. Somebody else over here to, to the left, you raised your hand. God bless you. I want to surrender my life to the one who gave his life for me. Anyone else? Today is the day for you to surrender and give your life to Christ. Anyone else? Those who raise their hands, would you come and meet me up front as we get ready to pray? Would you come now? Let me pray with you. One over here, one here, the one over here. Would you come and let me pray with you, please? Just come stand up front and face me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Anyone else today? Just ask everyone to be praying. 